1: welcome to series 53 everyone we have a phenomenal game that we are covering this series nova by spencer campbell a twice any nominated rpg and it is just so good uh so we can't wait to get to character creation for that So, we actually don't have any real announcements right now for this episode. Just check back with us in the call to action to hear about our latest Patreon offerings, uh, some Patreon shoutouts, and more of just me since Amelia is not feeling well for this cold open recording. Enjoy the show, everyone. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we discuss and create characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and this episode, my co-host Amelia and I are thrilled to welcome Spencer Campbell, indie groundbreaker, award winner, and creator of the game we are covering this month, Nova.
0: Welcome to Character Creation Cast. We are really excited you're here. I am particularly super excited. I know mm-hmm. we've wanted to cover this game for a while, I think. It's been on our list. I love that. So oh, wow. So I'm I'm super excited. Ooh.
2: Ooh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm also very, very excited. I love your show. I absolutely love your show. Oh, good. Um,
0: well, I love your games, so... <laughs> this worked out perfectly.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you got games in my show. You got show in shows games. in my games. Yep.
2: <laughs> I was first introduced to the show um, when you did your Spire episode, a ways Mm -hmm. back, because Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with Spire. I think it's...
3: It's such a good game. It's so good.
2: The system is good. All of it is is very good. And so I was, like, desperately trying to find Spire content online to just, like, put more into my brain. And Mm -hmm. your show was one of the first things that came up, and I was like, oh, not only do I get more Spire, but I also get exactly like you said, the best part of role-playing games, just making the (laughs) character. Right,
0: just the the beginning. (laughs) The part that all of us do and then don't ever get to the game. Yeah, Which reminds me, now I I don't know if we'll put this in the show or the outtakes or whatever, but I was told by one of my friends to ask you about your new game that you're working on mm. because that one also uses resistance, doesn't it? Um, I Or kind of. Yeah, so I... Or am I thinking of something else? No, no, no,
2: that's... I am, like, in the cusp of, like, making my next fantasy game which is a um it's lumen but i'm gonna borrow elements of the resistance that i Mm -hmm. like a lot especially the um dice pool system the idea of like building a pool out of skills and domains and things like that is awesome Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. um i'm still going back and forth on whether or not i want to do my my um sped up version of how fallout is resolved compared to base resistance Um, i may do that Mm -hmm. may not i don't know i'm like i'm going super back and forth
0: So many fiddly bits to, like, decide. That's the part of, like, game design that I just can't, like, wrap my head around how people do it is, like, all of those little tiny decisions. I just get so overwhelmed by them. I'm like, as a broad concept, here's what I want to do. Yeah. Why isn't it doing that?
3: Just just <laughs> be now. Just, just be do it. Like God I decided it. on a thing. Like I
0: made two choices and I don't understand why it's not
2: right. working. <laughs> I end up making a list of like way too many choices and then I go, What have I done? Uh, because I do truly like to make simple and fast games. And so it's it's for me, it's always like way overshoot and then like chisel, 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 chisel until it yeah. becomes a thing that I want. So I overproduce in my own head and in my like my Google Docs and then I I literally talk myself out of doing the things that I've written down. That's my process, is to go, okay. I love Past that. Spencer had an idea. It's not a bad idea. It's just not the idea we need right now. Uh right. And Spencer like will fix maybe this.
0: <laughs> maybe Spencer could put that idea over here right. for another time.
3: Exactly. <laughs>
0: I love that. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? I know, and you're working on lots and lots of projects. So anything else that you'd like to to plug or tell people about sure
2: so um i'm I'm spencer campbell you might be familiar with the publishing name that i use which is uh gila rpgs Uh, i've been designing role-playing games uh out of chicago for about two and a half years now Uh, my very first game was called score which is a uh, homage to my love of crime. A lot of my games are about crime. It turns out uh, I have a brand. Crime is fun. Uh, it's very fun. And um, if you've um, heard of some of my other games, um, it's likely going to be um, Slayers, which is my fantasy, my fantasy monster hunter game in a cursed city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also created the Lumen system, which is what Nova, what we're talking about today, is based off of, and it's a power fantasy srd that i created to emulate video games and power fantasy vibes and stuff like that and uh, it turns out a lot of people like liked it and made stuff which was the coolest feeling in the world to see Mm -hmm. other people make things for your stuff so uh yeah that's that's generally who i am and some of the stuff that i've done very Very cool cool.
0: i've i've heard i heard like nothing but lumen for like a, like there was like a couple of months where like that was all of my circle of people was talking about was like lumen mm-hmm. and all the things that they were going to do with it and it was like okay i probably should look into this and now you know like months and months later like we're finally getting around to it well, but
2: yeah. like well,
0: people were super excited about it like and i see why oh, thank having you. read through it now but like it was like wow okay like this is clearly something that i need to figure out because <laughs> it was it was really popular really fast it feels like
2: yeah. It, um, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about this but uh, it was you know it came together very quickly because it was fueled out of rage and spite when I designed it and so uh,
0: mm, all the best things yeah, are so
2: that uh, creation process made me make it very quickly and other people rode that wave with me uh, and it just kind of carried for a while which was good that's
3: <laughs> <awesome>. amazing. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I am really excited to learn about this game. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into this, and we can start by discussing what this game is all about.
3: What's in a
1: game? So, what is the core concept of Nova?
2: So, Nova is a power fantasy combat sort of game that uh, where you take place as. Um, exosuit pilots in a world where the sun has exploded, which is normally a pretty bad thing. Turns out it's bad for the game of Nova as well. Uh, so the sun <laughs> explodes, uh, and it crashes down these shards of sunlight uh, into the planet, and you play as these pilots that are fueled by these sun shards, and you go out into the dangerous, haunted, twisted world that that comes from a sun-exploded planet uh, to try and Uh, bring back technology, revive your, your city. And, and what I say, bring a new dawn. Mm, I like that.
0: Yeah. I love the concept of like the sun shard. Like, I don't know why that is the part that grabs me is just like, what is it? What does it do? Where did it come from? Why do we have it? Like, I don't, I really like those little bits where it's just like one, like that little bit of a word Mm -hmm. of like sun shard. It's like, Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My,
2: um, you know, the, the very earliest, forms of what uh, the the world of Nova came from was years ago, like I think 2018 or something, the, the 200 word RPG contest that's held every mm. year. One of the themes might've been 2018 or 19 was the sun is dead. Um, and from that, my buddy, Mike Riemann, who has done the art and layout for a number of my games, um, like Slayer's Almanac, most recently, Um, Mm -hmm. we just sat there and talked about, like, what would it be like to be in a world where the sun exploded? And we went down this wild path and like the sun shards and the sun wells and these ideas kind of um, got early percolation from that, Uh, you know, trying to take all that to 200 words was a challenge, but uh, but just uh, the early, like, groundwork for what this world would be came from Mike and I just sitting on a Sunday morning drinking coffee going like wow what would happen if the sun was not like not just gone it exploded and, and rained down on us? right
3: <laughs> yeah
0: which it gets a little bit into our, our next question which is what kind of setting do you play in um are there particular things mm-hmm. that you really wanted to highlight about this kind of world you know like you mentioned the difference between just like not having a sun and the sun having exploded. Like what, what parts of that did you really want to play around with?
2: Yeah, because you, you know, you hear that the sun explodes and you go, well, game over, right? Like,
0: right? <laughs> okay. Why, why, <laughs> why is this 70-some pages? <laughs> um,
2: so, you know, you have to do a little bit of hand wavy science explanation for it, which I'm, I'm always fine to do a little hand waviness with that. Um, and the i the what i think is special or different about it is it is certainly a post apocalypse game but it is one in which the the world the setting that you kind of base yourselves out of is actually extremely advanced because the idea is shards of sun of the literal sun have planted themselves into the surface of the the planet and Cities were built around them. And, you know, the concept Mm. of a Dyson sphere where we like capture a star and harvest it for infinite energy, like this is basically Mm. that, but at a much smaller scale, at like a city scale. So like a city powered by a shard of the sun would rapidly advance in technology and things like that, which is why you get these really powerful and interesting mechs that the characters play as these sparks, because suddenly we are way more powerful and advanced than we'd ever been before. We just have to worry about everything that goes past the sunlight into the dark dusk outside of it. So it's an interesting Mm. kind of combination of really advanced, powerful sci-fi going on and horrifying post-apocalypse gloom and doom. Everything, you know, anything out in the shadows is we have to really hope that this technology is caught up enough to fight whatever's out there.
0: Right. Yeah, it's a really interesting dichotomy. And I think like the light and dark mm. of it and like getting to play with both and having it be directly related exactly to light and dark is a really cool concept.
3: Mm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And you, you know, these characters are extremely powerful, right? And that's a big part of the Lumen system and everything like that. And so you, you feel powerful when you're building the city and imagining everything that's inside of it. And then the GM gets to have the fun of going, okay, well, I have this big, weird, mysterious horror zone that is 90% of the planet. So let me think (laughs) about what I can do that would make you go, oh, maybe we're not, Maybe we're not as ready for this as we thought we were. (laughs) Oh, I
0: thought it was so cool, but maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: getting some, like, eldritch horror feels. From the darkness? Yeah, I Mm.
2: loosely allude to this sort of stuff. Like, there's going to certainly just be baddies out there that are just, like, maybe the baddies you're used to. But then you also have to imagine that a planet where the sun has gone away is going to start to, like, twist and turn the life that lives outside of it. And Mm. so you get these elements of, like, beasts that are out there that are very strange. And there's a cult that worships the moon, because naturally, if the sun is gone, then the moon's going to be our next best. Thing in terms of like celestial bodies to worship, and so you're gonna get this really creepy, gnarly moon cult out there. And then, oh, yeah, I've got mean birds in my games because I have a brand that is also, if not crime, I love crows, uh, and so mm-hmm. I have a faction. That has appeared in multiple games and it started to appear in other people's games called the Corvus Dominion. They're this weird avian alien species and uh, Mm. they were on our planet when the sun exploded. So they're stuck here with us and they're not happy about it. So (laughs) you've got moon cults, you've got twisted beasts and you've got angry alien birds who are also very advanced. All vying for the very few sun shards that are out there wanting this this resource this technology that is the only bastion of of life on the planet oh that's
1: really interesting
0: and i think about like all of the creepy stuff under the ocean mm. where the sun isn't oh no like i'm just like as we're doing this i'm thinking of all of like the gross descent into midnight conversations we've had about like creatures that can't see the like and like don't you know, plants that don't do photosynthesis yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. there is no sun and like...
2: Or sun
1: at the bottom of the ocean.
2: Ugh. Right? Like what's, what suddenly happens to these creatures <laughs> that have never been exposed to the sun before? When oh. Now there's this like furious power and light in their environment does it cook them or do they change? And I'm going to say they change, right? That's way
1: more. Oh, oh absolutely. That's cooler. <laughs>
3: yeah, absolutely. For sure.
1: Um, and then sun shards on the moon. That moon's got to look wicked amazing right. in the sky.
0: <gasps> like oh, the moon. it's probably all spiky. I imagine the moon is kind
1: of ever present in the sky
2: now because it's got all these, it's pop marked with sun shards. So it is kind of this weird, like semi glowing thing in the sky, which is absolutely would yeah. encourage people to go well that's our new thing that's the thing that we, right. <laughs> we love uh-huh. <laughs> all right <laughs> wow
1: oh that's amazing uh so what tools do we need to play this game then
2: um to play the game you, you you need the book you need some character sheets there's a reference sheet too which i always like having a nifty reference sheet um and then in terms of dice you only need d6 uh, six sided dice that's hmm. the only dice that i use um that's truly all that you need. Um, and, but I know that some people, uh, we'll talk about this. Nova uses um, theater of the mind as a, a space for combat. We don't use a, a grid necessarily, but I know that different people have different abilities to visualize components in their mind's eye. So, I, you know, I recommend that maybe grab a sheet of paper and some tokens or something to represent where things might be on a battlefield if you uh, need that sort of stuff. I've also seen plenty of people who like to use tokens for health and fuel, which is the the two main resources in the game, rather than like Erasing and uh, writing on your sheet again, yeah. like use some use some yeah. fun tokens. Um, but truly, uh, just just to, to hop in, somebody's got to have that book to have read it, uh, and some character <laughs> sheets and some six sided dice, and you're ready to rock and roll. Very cool.
0: I have to say, I'm a big fan of quick reference Mm. pages like i'm on record on our show too talking about how like i think books that are more than like 25 or 30 pages should have a rules Mm. reference at the beginning so i know what i'm getting into um but i like that you have one that's just like the one page reference guide that like Mm -hmm. because my brain is like okay here's what i actually need to know right away and then i can dig into the rest of it as i see
2: exactly i mean so i i before I got into role-playing games, I was really into board games, still really am into board games, and I was trying to design them as well. And so I know how important for once a board game becomes even just slightly complex, having a quick reference card or something like that that each player can have in front of them will just immediately smooth out a lot of the, the hurdles that you're going to run into. So having seen it be so important in board games, it felt like you, you got to have something like this in a game even if if board
0: game rule books are only like 10 pages and that's right right (laughs) like
2: even if i in my mind imagine nova as a rules like game that doesn't mean that it's inherently like easy and you can hold everything in your brain right you're gonna want that sheet there so you can't you shouldn't have to hold all this in your brain nobody should have to do Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: well especially the first couple times too you know like it's when you get into a campaign of a game, usually by like the third or fourth session, I'm like, okay, I've got mm-hmm. this. Um, but yeah. in that first couple it's like, okay, hold on. How do I roll initiative again? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And
2: like <laughs> I wrote the game and I still need it. Right. Like I look at it right. and I go like, okay, so uh, which iteration of Lumen I is this? Because a I did it different in every it. single <laughs> game I've ever made. So uh-huh. uh, it's, it's, it's uh, yep.
3: nice to have. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of stories and themes were you hoping people would explore with this game? Um, we talked a little bit about like the, the light mm-hmm. and the dark parts, um, but are there other things that you were really hoping people would use this to to look through and work through?
2: So um, Nova at its core is a power fantasy game because it is designed with Lumen, which is a, a power fantasy uh uh, system, so it is designed for your characters to feel powerful. Uh, you are designed to go out as uh, these very powerful, cool mechs, and f- you know you're going to face these horrifying things that we've just been talking about. But you're also going to succeed and that's a big thing Mm -hmm. that um, I just I like to make that clear ahead of time with some of my games the players are here to win and the GM is here. Oh so it's
0: not Warhammer
2: It's not not Warhammer (laughs) and it's not adversarial where it's GM versus players it's these players are going to go have a really cool fascinating challenging but interesting mission that they're going to go on out into this dark but the GM is not there to stop them from doing it they're not there to to kill them. In fact, you can't die in Nova. <laughs>
3: I've made a rule that makes it very, <laughs> very hard
2: for you to die. um So that, more so, it is about going out into this world that is dark and horrifying and trying to accomplish things that will help make things better. Like the tagline of the game is to bring a new dawn, which has a, an inherent in that this concept of okay, we are going to overcome this, we are going to succeed. It's just there's going to be these kind of terrifying things that are going to stop us or try to stop us, we will do it. That new dawn will be brought. Uh, it's just a matter of what we're going to have to do to make that happen. Um, so mm-hmm. my my goal is to tell these powerful stories. Um, again, kind of leaning since it's Lumen, it definitely leans into a more combat focus in it than other things, but that doesn't mean you're all it's just fight 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 fights but it is designed to when you get into a fight feel very cool and then go explore this dark world and then get into another cool fight and then explore this dark world and you kind of cycle that again and again
3: so the
0: gm is there mostly to give you those things to fight and give you those things to explore um rather than to try and take you out or you know like it's supposed to be a level of challenge but not Yeah, exactly. It's
2: it's, it's not there to put a wall up. It's there to put hurdles. That's how I think about it. So um, the GM turn in Lumen is one that encourages the GM to add a twist every round of combat. That forces the players to change the way that they think about how they're winning because Mm. they're winning.
0: That's really cool. They're going
2: to win. So, like, if you know that they're just pushing forward in this line, I'm going to just put a hurdle here. So you can either, like fight over that hurdle, or you can take a different path. So my goal is just to like make you explore the concept of different paths rather than say, sorry, this is blocked off. This is a wall. You're not going any further with this. Um,
0: I really like that because it makes each turn interesting too, right? Like there's, I've read a number of, um, like D and D adventures mm. lately. Um, and a lot of them are just like, okay, do this thing. And then this round now it's harder but you still are doing the same thing, but now it's a little harder. And it's like, okay, but like by round five, aren't we all over this? Like, I don't like, oh, I hit it with a sword harder, yeah. I guess. Like, you know, like I want it to be interesting. Like if we are going to do combat, because that's my biggest thing with combat mm-hmm. not being interesting is it's like, okay, I hit it with a sword and I hit right. it with a sword and I hit it with a sword. And it's like, so if something changes there every round and it like keeps it interesting and it's like, okay, you can't, do this again now what do you want to do Mm. um it it makes doing a combat heavy game more satisfying for me
2: yeah you know i I give an incredible amount of narrative freedom to the gm to do this this gm turn which is what it's called which is to to activate some of the enemies and then change the the battle in some interesting way and you know I, i provide some advice in the book but i don't want to be too prescriptive when i do these sorts of things where i don't want to say like Okay, and then put a, a barrier up. That's the common mm-hmm. thing you do in round one. And then reinforcements in round two. I want you to think contextually, like what makes sense in the fiction for the enemies mm-hmm. to respond? Because they are facing these unbelievably powerful robots. And like what, what, what right. will these enemies do desperately and fight dirty to try and stop these robots as best they can you get to play around well, and bat. it
0: should depend on what the players are doing too exactly. right? you know like it doesn't make sense it's like okay well now they move faster and it's like well that doesn't make sense because i did you mm-hmm. know like we messed with the terrain or whatever um and so i think having a b2 prescriptive starts to not make sense either if your players aren't you know following that same prescription yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: exactly <laughs> well we we heard a bit about uh what characters mm-hmm. do uh in the game already going out and, and fighting insurmountable odds and and uh and, and winning. I'm curious um, is there,
0: why they do that.
1: Yeah. Like, why is like, that? Is, what there, doing? is there a reason behind the, the characters uh fighting for that? Um and and do you get any of that like the, the downtime mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah. So um there are
2: there's sort of a there's mission generators that are in the game to help kind of contextualize why you're going out there. And so some things might just be, hey, we've you know, we've picked up our scouts have picked up. There's a moving force out there that we're worried is going to come to the city. And sometimes it's just like we got to we got to head these people off before they come. These, these mean birds are going to try and steal our son.
3: <laughs> we <need to> <laughs> that. Um, oh, I hate when sometimes they you
2: need to do that. Um, there's a lot of elements in the game that are about going in and, um, recovering or protecting important things that are out there in the world that, you know, these sun shards only landed in some places, which means there's a lot of the planet that's still out there. It's desolate, but there could be valuable things there. Like, yes, technology has boomed around these cities, but we are also having to relearn a lot of what we have established as a species over the, mm. the lifespan. And so there's there's knowledge out there, there's resources and there's things like that that nobody else can go out and do. The The concept is the dusk. Everything that's outside of your city is so twisted and dangerous that to send a, a, a non-Spark, a person without a robot suit on them out there is you just you wouldn't even consider it
0: you wouldn't do it yeah. and
2: so you are the only people who can go out there and try and find things that might be the elements that might start to help build up your city and so yeah you and you ask that idea of like downtime and that's the thing that uh, the game encourages you after missions is to think about what did the, what did the city how did it benefit from what you just did um okay. either you know there's no there's no mechanical base building in the core game so there's no like okay your technology level raises plus one because of this it's more why did we go out there like which faction sent us out there and what did they mm-hmm. gain from it and then maybe because they've gained did another faction lose out in the power structure of the city and how are you as oh. in theory a relatively neutral force in the city going to balance this total di- um total um Uh, you know, fight for resources and and time and everything like that Mm. in a world where, yeah, technology is cool, but it's also really still scary out there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely.
0: Um, What do you think, I I particularly want to ask because it's, because it uses Hmm. Lumen, um, and as you mentioned, like lots of people have, have taken and done that, done things with Lumen. What do you think makes Nova unique in general and then particularly among those games using lumen
2: mm, yeah um yeah pe- uh, one of my favorite things when people started making things with lumen is you know i released this srd with like general thoughts about what this should make and then every single person read it uh and then a lot of my friends who read it and made things they would reach out and say hey spencer um cool srd i'm gonna change x y and z and i every single time i went Perfect. Good. You should, you should not do it, you know, word for word from the, the book, do, you know, make it your own. And so what I think makes Nova unique and kind of weird is that I wrote Lumen and then I made Nova and I immediately made Nova with a huge change to how Lumen works. So Nova combat, there's zero rolling done there's no rolling done in combat instead your Hmm. your sparks have a suite of powers um, and you're just spending fuel which is a resource that you have that allows you to activate those powers and so rather than thinking Is my attack going to hit? It will hit. It will absolutely hit. The question is, which power is going to help you the most or your team the most in this moment? And so
3: Mm -hmm. combat
2: is more about a it's a it's a puzzle solving sort of thing. I like to think of a lot of my combat games as more puzzle solving than just. Mm rolling and trying to get the odds in your favor, because again, the odds are in your favor. You're very powerful robots. So now how do you want to, it's more, how do you want to do this all the time? Um, My, my mentality is if I can give my players a button that says do something cool, I don't want them to just be able to push it once per fight or like once per session. I want them to just keep pushing that button. Um, And so that's what Nova is designed to do. So I, I immediately deviated from the Lumen rules, which is, you know, maybe (laughs) roll for attacks and things like that. Instead, I just said, No, you're just going to, it will work. It's just choosing each round the thing that is going to help you in that moment, which then plays well with the GM turn where they are now trying to think, okay, I'm learning what the powers are of these sparks. What can I do that's going to make them have to do a different power? So they're not just doing the same thing again. They're not just swinging their sword over and over. Uh, They're not just doing Mm -hmm. this same Mm -hmm. thing again. But now I've done something that sort of nullifies it or reduce its effectiveness.
0: Yeah. I really liked the, when I was reading through it, the concept of not having to roll for those powers because it does, it does really play into that power fantasy of like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm good at this. Like, there's no question of like, can you do this? I can do it. It's just a matter of like, does it, how much does it help me? long-term and like is this the right choice for the situation it's not like am i competent or not
2: yeah and and that's always been a thing that has frustrated me with with other games where there are these sorts of like roll to hit thing where you're like well if i'm like a level 12 fighter I'm probably going to hit, yeah. right? Like, I'm pretty good at using a sword at this point. And, <laughs>
0: like you would think, right? And
2: then, then you don't. And it's it feels it feels weird. The, the, the fic-
0: it's like, this is my whole thing. I've trained my whole life for this. Like, this is what I do. <laughs> right. Why can't I do it? You know, and then it's like, and then why am I not having an existential crisis about that? Because it feels like that should be a mechanic, too, then. Yeah, Right.
2: <laughs> right so that that like that weird dissonance that gets created in the narrative in the fiction at the table when we have these moments where we know we're capable and then we just fail because probability dictates that every once in a while you're going to fail uh and mm-hmm. so I didn't want that in nova. I wanted to capture that concept of you no know, you're gonna you're gonna do it. it's just is this the thing that you wanna do? You've got four powers, is this the power right now that you wanna use? Um, mm. or just one of your other ones help you in this moment. Uh, and I, So I, I like to think of it as a more puzzle-solving power fantasy thing as opposed mm. to you're always hitting, always hitting because you just have a d20 and everyone else is rolling d4s. Uh, it's, right. <laughs> uh, so I think that's the thing that makes it unique. The other, the other big thing that I talk about a lot with Nova is that I consider characters in Nova to be level 20 characters. I consider you to be you're there. You did it. You are the robot. Um, and to me, I think about playing Nova, uh, and, and creating and changing your character with time as, um, creating builds. So it's like the, like a late game MMO sort of thing where you're like, okay, I'm max level. Hmm. What gear do I want? And I know we're going to talk about yeah. advancement at some point, so I won't, oh, yeah, yeah. won't dive in, but like that concept of like, which mods you choose to change your powers is the that's the play not I get more oh. powerful. It's you are powerful. How do you want to be powerful <laughs> is, is the yeah. question.
1: Uh all of this is tickling my min-max brain. <laughs> yep. So much. Uh because like that that whole like what what is the best thing I can do mm-hmm. in this very specific situation? Um and then what what choices can I make to to just up my my ability and power just a little bit more and 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 how will that help in the future? Because of the based on the missions that we've been going on and yeah, and what's kind of on the horizon. Oh, that's so good. It's uh, you know, folks will always come
2: up with new interesting builds for Sparks that I couldn't possibly have predicted when I come up with when I came up with the mods and everything. And so it's always fun to think like, this is my pyre and my pyre plays by a really different way than maybe Spencer had assumed. Pyre plays, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. cool. I love that.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, before we get into the terms and concepts and then character creation, uh, we'd like to talk about the history of the game. Uh, so, so when did, uh, you start development on this? Uh, I know you were talking about the, the 200, mm. uh, word RPG that kind of sparked the, uh, the whole setting and everything. Uh, but when did, when did development on, uh, Lumen and Nova, actually start then?
2: Yeah, so I, I, I had to do a little research because I, I knew this was one of the questions and I was like, when, when did I actually start this?
3: Because
2: <laughs> uh, it, 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 it flies and it blurs together because it is Nova is part of a line of Lumen games that I sort of created that all kind of created they fed into each other and so um trying to unravel that knot I needed to do a little bit of uh research. Um Mm my so Nova, the concept of what would become Nova setting-wise, absolutely kind of originates from Mike and I's early talks from that 200 RPG. The concept of what mechanically and what would be developed into Nova um, came in March of last year. So um, March of last year, I I released a Kickstarter for five hours uh which was for a, a game called frame <laughs> um amazing well no no it's no, not
3: amazing <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: no. get, well, five, well, five hour kicks I, i've wouldn't never that, heard of such that a,
2: would be kind of nice actually because i don't like doing long kickstarters um <laughs> oh.
0: yeah i know like how do you how do you sleep for that whole like it's month not,
2: you don't uh-huh. you just simply don't um, oh
3: okay <laughs> uh, I, so i
2: made a game called frame which was my love letter to um warframe uh and okay. i uh, created a kickstarter for it and then uh immediately uh apparently made the warframe fans very mad, um and they basically did a targeted harassment uh campaign against me oh no so i closed it after five hours because uh they had sort of invaded every social space that i existed on online um so what did ugh. you
0: do that made them so angry they
2: they have a, a deep belief that the the property, the concept of like exosuits and things like that is belongs to digital extremes and is theirs. And more importantly, that if they tell the company that this random indie RPG guy out of Chicago is making something that is an homage to it, that the company will love them. That That is a thing that the company wants you to Gosh. do is be a snitch. Um, and so
0: <laughs> what kind of corporate nonsense is that? It,
2: it was so it was horrible. It was really, really bad. And I, I disappeared yeah. for a, a little while and wow i I came back um f- like I said at the beginning of this fuels with rage and furious um <laughs> yeah and uh, i I understand that now
3: wow and so I
2: did like an interview with chase Carter at dicebreaker about it uh and talked basically said like I, gamers mean nothing to me anymore I, I just I can't stand the concept of a, of a gamer now because of things like this and uh so i I sat down and I said Well, I made a really cool game. Frame is a very cool game, and I don't want to just get rid of it. So, what can I do with it? Let me strip away all the coat of paint that is going to make the Warframe people mad and move in a new (laughs) coat of paint that is distinct enough that hopefully won't uh, raise any uh, riots against me. Um, Yeah. So, uh, in March, uh, I started working on the early concepts of what would become Nova uh, because. Uh, uh, both thematically and mechanically, because it was an evolution of what Frame was, and Frame was very much this idea of you are these very cool, powerful exosuit people, and you're using powers all the time, and you're just spending tokens and resources to do that. And I said that's really fun. Let me just put it in a new world. And so March is when Nova kind of began to emerge, and then I realized I need a codify this a little bit more and so i in april i designed lumen so i made lumen Mm -hmm. the srd as a guide for me to go back to nova so i said i need i need i need to kind of understand like why frame was designed the way that it was because i just i just wrote Mm -hmm. it and so i gave it context by stripping out all everything but the mechanics and i said this is lumen now this is the rule system by which frame and my first game in the system light was made now i can use this to To build and create this concept of Nova, and so it went.
0: Oh, that's so cool! So it was like backwards and then yeah, kind of like it. So like cool. I said, the,
2: the Lumen games fed into each other. Like technically, the first one is Light, which is my om- homage to Destiny, and Destiny fans never came after me. Uh, they they love Light. <laughs> I, know, <yeah. laughs> I was gonna say I
0: have friends who are like all about yeah. it.
2: Like so yeah, so Light came about. It it was it's technically lumen like but it was before i had even the idea of what lumen was and so Mm. that helped me make frame and then when i cut it all away i said okay i think i could see the the thing i was going for between light and frame let me transform that into this thing called lumen and this will be my guide this will be my skeleton that i can build future games off of and then Mm. nova kind of very rapidly uh came uh came together after that it just it just flowed out of me uh it was
1: it was a lot of fun to write absolutely and and that uh became like the illuminated by by lumen yeah
2: it sort of uh, it sort of became the the first one that got that that phrase, that, that sticker slapped on it. Be, and it's, it, like I said, it's kind of weird because the, the core assumptions of Lumen are that you do roll. <laughs> when you okay. act, um, you're still going to most mm-hmm. likely hit, but you're still going to roll. And to me, I was like, no, no, no. I just got to get straight to the, mm-hmm. I got to get straight to the very, very cool power stuff. Um, and so it's been fun to not only see how Nova immediately deviated from Lumen, but how other things did too. And just, I'm always, like I said, I'm blown away with what people did with the system because it is, I, I cannot even comprehend the amount of creativity and directions people have taken with it. It's its very, very cool.
0: I love that about this community. Like, there are certainly parts of, like, gamers in general and the RPG community that are like, <laughs> um, <laughs> But just the, the cool stuff that people make and the way that they take things like SRDs mm-hmm. or even just hacks of games and, like, make totally different things that you're like, oh, you changed one rule and it looks nothing like the thing that I just made. And it's like the creativity is just, it's baffling to me. Like, I just, I want to be able to do that. (laughs) Like, and I, I'm just, I'm always shocked and awed at like the cool stuff that people come up with and the way that they, they take Mm -hmm. these things and are like, here's how it applies to like Mm. my world and my fandom and my cool concept like it just it blows my mind it's so cool it's so cool you know i
2: i got my design start in like hacks and stuff like that and so like to me i understand how important it is to have resources out there that help somebody just jump right into design rather than saying i need to make something brand new from scratch and that's because that's overwhelming and so a big philosophy for many, many, many of my games is to make it immediately hackable or really easy for you to make your own class or set a pack of monsters or enemies. So And Mm
3: -hmm. people,
2: I I still just randomly discover things. Like I just go, oh, here's a Slayers class that I had no idea existed, but somebody out there was like, I really (laughs) want to make a Slayers class based off of blank. And then they do it and I go, whoa, this is super cool. And uh, exactly like you said, (laughs) people can inject their own fandoms the things that they're excited about the the things that they want to experience at the table and if i just give them a a a very malleable skeleton then they can they can do that
0: and i love that about like indie design Mm. especially that more and more designers are you know are putting those srds out there and and saying like please like tell me about the cool thing that you've made because like i know even making this show like hearing people have like you know, like taking one of our concepts and then put it in their Mm. own game or, you know, that they found something through us. It's like, I get so excited about that. And so I always like, it sucks when there's like bigger companies that are like, "Mm, you can't put that out there. You can't share that because it's part of our game. And then all of these indie designers are like, no, please like tell me about the cool thing that you (laughs) did. Like, I want to see what you do with it because that's like my favorite part of like any kind of creative project is like knowing that it inspired somebody else. Yeah. Um, and so I love that about the indie space and about the stuff like that you're doing and other people are doing with those kinds of things and saying, like, please like tell me the cool <laughs> thing. Like tell me about what you did. Because we just like all want to have a moment of like excitement together.
2: Yeah, uh, it's I, I love it. The the I've I've been very fortunate to be part of some very cool communities in the, the indie RPG scene that just truly fuel one another. It's just it's it's very nice and uh it, it it made it so much easier and approachable for me to even begin, you know, considering getting into design. When I found people who who build you up immediately and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. this is the thing that you're really interested in. You should go talk to this person because they are also really interested in this thing." And then you you know you right? find the people, you make the things. It's 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 great. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: and
0: I'm I'm glad that like you've had it seems like the total opposite experience now with Lumen mm-hmm. and Nova that you had before, um, mm-hmm. and that you're. But it didn't totally like ruin game design for you it because was real close. like
3: <laughs> it's, I
0: mean, and that like would have been so sad, like because mm-hmm. now like looking at the things that you've done since then, like that would have just been like heartbreaking. And I, I hate that like that happens for so many people. Like there are so many people who don't come yeah. back from that, you know. And it's such mm-hmm. a bummer. It's such a bummer that like there are so many people who've had it ruined because people are garbage. Well, and,
2: and just to, to oh. you know to. Uh, echo that sentiment of community. I had so many very close friends that I had made who are in the, you know, fellow indie designers and the amount of outreach and support that came from them, you know, privately when I had stepped away from anything was just incredible. Like I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't just like, Okay, I'm going away and no and I'm right. just some random guy like who's going cared. away. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. you know a lot of people were very kind and that that helped. Uh but I am also a very spiteful uh, person. So I was uh, the likelihood that I was going to just step away and be like, "No, nah, I guess I'll just go away." No, I had to I had to do something. So Lumen
3: right. yeah. Lumen had to like come. I have a point yeah, to Lumen prove Lumen had to be made.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. Mhm. Um, we are super close to starting our character creation, but before we do that, um, if we can go over some terms and Mm. concepts that you think people might need to know, I'd jotted down a couple as I was, like, looking through and trying to pick what kind of character I wanted oh, cool. to play. Um, But if you have any others that you you wanted to talk about um, before yeah, so before we start, so that people can follow Totally. Along.
2: So a Lumen character is generally just a handful of components. One of those components are these three things, your attributes. Um, a, a concept of Lumen is not that you have skills that dictate what you can do, the assumption again is that you you can do pretty much anything because you're very capable, powerful people. So what's more important is how you do things. Um, so there are three attributes that typically describe approaches to how you might accomplish uh, a task. And so in Lo- or in NOVA, they um, are sun, moon and shade. Sun it describes anytime you're doing something very powerful, sweeping, uh, but also like highly emotional. The moon is going to be your quick reactive. Uh, sort of stuff, and then shade is going to be your slow, methodical, practiced sort of uh, approaches doing things. You can think about these both in and out of combat. So those those are the way that you approach uh, things. They also sometimes are linked to some powers. So some powers do damage, for example, equal to your sun. So if you look at your powers and you go, "Oh, this one's linked to sun," I might want to put a lot of points into sun so that I really hit hard with this power. Um, that's that's a thing to consider. The other um, maybe like stat, so to speak, that you have, or you have health and fuel. Health is health. Uh, when you when you reach zero though. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> when you reach zero though, the difference in Nova is that you don't die. You actually activate your supernova, which is a, basically a fail safe that your suit has, which is an unbelievably powerful attack that your suit does uh, to bring you back to life and usually devastates everybody who was a threat around you. So um, wow. you, you stand right back up next round uh, after having sort of leveled <laughs> the, the the battlefield. So um, going to zero is not the end of the world. In fact, uh, I have played with people who strategically get themselves to zero in certain points because they know this is the time I need to activate my supernova. <laughs> wow. um, so
0: i'd be one of those yeah so health is that fuel
2: (laughs) is your other thing which is it is um it's just a resource that you spend to activate your power so anytime you want to use a power you spend one fuel to do it all powers cost one fuel and uh doing that just lets you do the thing on your turn Um, both of those are also constantly being recovered in combat um it's like i said this is very inspired by video games you know how enemies in video games when you kill them they like drop health and ammo yeah. and stuff, that happens in Lumen. So when an enemy dies, there's a chance that they will drop fuel and or health for you to pick back up. So you are meant to just kind of keep going and keep going. So you're not worried about spending up your fuel because you eh, keep taking out some enemies. You're probably going to get some more fuel back. Um, so those are kind of your stats. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your character has... Um, a set of powers, they have a passive power, which is just there to sort of give you a sense of what your your role generally is in the battlefield. Um, So for example, Pyre just does damage to somebody that they're next to you at the start of every turn. That lets you know that Pyre wants to be next to people, um, so that they can hurt people. And then you have mm-hmm. four active powers, and these are the things; these are the buttons that you get to push during your turn. This is, these are the things where you go, okay. "Which of these four powers do I want to do on my turn?" Uh, and they they're typically in the range of doing some sort of damage across the field, but not necessarily. There are also some classes that are in the realm of. Um, support or tanks or, you know, more of that crowd control stuff. So you look and think, which power helps me in this moment? Um, Those are the concepts of what makes up a spark. I think the other thing that might help is the idea of um, the ranges. So um, when you are, you know, these powers are defined by um, how far away something is. So um, things can either be close, near, far uh, in terms of like who they can target. Cause like I said, this is all done with, um, theater of the mind rather than measuring out squares mm. on a, 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 grid or anything like that. So, um, those will be some keywords to also be on the lookout as you're thinking about your powers and that will, cause that will help you understand like, oh, this person seems like they want to be up close a lot, or this person tends to stay, stay back. And they're mostly at that near mm. and far range with their powers. Um. The last concept are your mods. Like I said, uh, it's about builds in Nova rather than leveling up. And so you have a suite of different mods that during character creation you can choose from and you'll just keep getting more of these as you play. Um, Some of these mods are just designed to be persistent. They are just there to give you like small little boons, So a little bit of health, uh, you know, permanent increase to health or any of those attributes or anything like that. Um, And then there are power mods. That um, you can slot into your powers. Um, some of them are designed to help a specific power, and then others are just something like plus one harm. You plug that into any of your powers, and any harm that that power does now does more harm, or plus one range. If a power only hurt people at close range and you slap that mod into it, now it does. Uh, the same effect at close and near so that's what I mean always. by like you create the build you create the the way that you function on the field that fits your vibe and also what the the your party needs if if you suddenly realize you're all up close and personal you go okay maybe I will take a range mod so that we can deal with something that's not always directly in our faces <laughs> all the time uh-huh. so
0: yeah I love that they're super easy too that they're they are just like okay it does this now and it's like cool, I can Mm -hmm. just make a little note that's like, this is plus one, and like, you know, they're super easy to slot in, and like not have to look up 800 different things yeah i i hate (laughs) i hate advancement in games where i'm like okay now what do i take where does it go how do i you know like i can only increase 15 percent based on where i bought the skill (laughs) ryan (laughs) The, the goal is
2: for in the mods to not have to learn a bunch of new keywords or new elements to the game but for these mods to enhance the core rules that you are you, that you become familiar with and then a matter of just tweaking your experience by shifting and changing mods throughout your sessions to go like okay i was playing with a lot of range but i think we're like good on range and i think i just want to hurt like i want just to just hurt more so i'm gonna you just, just
0: like do take more harm
2: yeah. or <laughs> i'm actually burning through my fuel a lot so i'm gonna take the mod that like doesn't cost this power doesn't cost fuel now um and you know mm. things like that so that you can just Find the, find the way that your spark will shine as brightly as possible out in the, on the missions.
1: Very cool. Uh, well, I am uh, super excited to dive into this uh, and see what sort of sparks we create and, and everything. Uh, so are, are we ready to, to make some people? I am ready. Let's make some people. I'm excited. There's a lot of options. Mm-hmm. What, what, uh, i guess for for myself mm. and for the audience uh what are our options for our spark yeah should i
2: do like a quick quick pitch of the spark options just to help yeah, out if you yeah, could yeah, like if we could really do like a really quick helpful. like yeah. sentence
0: or two about each of the choices so the, when
2: i when i created these sparks i came up with the first four and then the next four came after that and i've described them in lore in the book as wave one and wave two where wave one was designed Practically, we need these sort of sparks for these sorts of things in missions. And then wave two was, now let's get weird. Uh, and so you'll, you'll <laughs> notice that things take a twist uh, in the second half of the spark options. So um, Pyre is going to be your in in your face fighter, big flaming sword. Uh, they love to get up up close and personal. Uh, so if you like uh, kind of an aggressive fighter, Pyre is your choice scorch is going to be your sort of caster equivalent um so they summon fire from around the field they do a lot of um sort of like manipulation of the field too can can play a slight control or um support role through that so you like your wizards scorch um warden is your tank big beefy tank uh slams down a shield protects uh friends literally bull rushes around the battlefield knocking people around so if you like to be a bully warden <laughs> uh, and then there is the, uh, Voyager spark and Voyager is, um, the, the scout, the pathfinder, their whole thing is about marking mm-hmm. enemies to help amplify your, your, uh, your allies in combat or to just generally do like weird trickery, like throwing down holograms and swapping people around and things like that. So if you like a, um, kind of a, um, a light range supporty role, uh, or like a more crowd control role, Voyagers is for you so those are like the practical ones and then it got weird yeah <laughs> uh, pox
3: <laughs> this is, what pox is the
2: plague robot uh, specifically designed to mm-hmm. do like damage over time builds so they start by infecting mm-hmm. enemies at the beginning of the fight and then they try and spread it uh, and speed up the infection throughout the fight grim is the necromancer robot <laughs> uh, they literally uh as as eddie uh, depicts in the art uh, stab these sort of like shards into bodies on the field and reanimate them and control thralls.
1: Oh, wow. Um, so like I said,
3: <laughs> what is I mean, that, that face, just, Ryan?
1: That's just, that just like it screams Amelia all it, over.
0: It is. It's the one I circled. <laughs> so like I said,
1: it got weird when I was like, okay, I've got like the kind of the core concepts. Um,
2: mm-hmm. Drifter is the mobile arsenal. Um, they are fantastic. They're they're sort of a jack of all trades. They have a power that handles each range and also are linked up to the attributes. So you really play around with build customization with Drifter, I think, almost more so than any other class. Drifter is also just very powerful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have uh, Sanguine, which is the vampire robot. Uh, so mm-hmm.
0: also
1: strongly considered yeah, this one. Why not? <laughs> oh, This is the second robot I was thinking of. Why movies. not
2: have a robot that is not only powered by the sun but by blood? Um, Sanguine specifically is about also spending some of your own health to get amplified versions of your powers. So you're spending fuel, but also mm. if you want, you can start to spend health. Um, but Sanguine can also do a lot of like. Stealing health or moving health around and things like that. They also literally turn into a cloud of bats and fly
1: around, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, amazing. <laughs> that's um, uh, that's, there's your blood magic, yeah. Amelia. I know, no. And then so, <laughs> it's tough choices, so those are, Ryan. Those
0: are all
2: the sparks, and then uh, Eddie wanted to do one more very cool one, and we we uh, raised the the stretch goal money to make Infernal, which is literally the devil, <laughs> the devil
3: as Amazing. a robot.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, my, you know, my favorite thing about Infernal is that uh, if the supernova effect, in if Infernal ever dies, everybody around Infernal gets dragged down to hell uh, with them. So uh, they are just mean just me mean and the devil (laughs) Uh, so (laughs) that is
0: also considered this one
1: amazing
2: so yeah (laughs) um it, it has been it has been a lot of fun like conceptualizing the like the lore, so to speak, of Nova, you know, in my in my own head canon, Voyagers were the first sparks because we needed to scout out the area around us, and then we built pyres to defend the Voyagers, and then we realized we needed like wardens to protect the pyres because they got themselves in trouble, and then the the scorch mm-hmm. existed, and we're like, okay, we did it, and then humanity got weird and creative, and we're like, well, we have the power, yeah. let's make uh, vampire robots.
1: Well, let's see what else we can do. So, Mm -hmm. as we do that, yeah, that's exactly what we would do, Uh, (laughs) and that and that's amazing.
2: So that's a that's a quick rundown of the uh, the nine sparks that are in Nova.
1: Oh, so good.
0: Do you have thoughts, Ryan?
1: I do have thoughts. Okay, tell me Um, your thoughts. Okay, so I'm assuming that you're going to go grim, Amelia.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I I do have to say it was a really difficult choice. Usually, when we do these things, there's very clear like this one is the dark magic mm. one, um, yep. and that was yeah, not the case. Yeah, pretty, I had to ch- I had to choose. three yeah, dark magic choices. adjacent
1: ones here. Yeah, I yeah, I yeah.
0: know, I know.
1: Um, but you know, uh, I I don't know. Um. Spencer, if you had one in mind for yourself, I, I kind of bounce
2: back and forth my, you know, my go to, if I was playing this on my, like, you know, a, a campaign, I would be such as a Scorch person. I I'm a, like a wizardy mm. caster sort of thing. And also Scorch has a, as a it dips into a little bit into support. And I actually really like playing mm-hmm. support characters. Um, but I think that's very much on brand and what I would normally do. So I'm, I'm trying to think of what would Spencer do if he broke out of his shell and, and tried something different. Oh, we don't do
3: that here. <laughs> that's not what we do.
2: Um, so I feel like I am looking at Sanguine because I, I feel like I, I don't look oh, at Sanguine enough as a spark, even though I just love the concept of a vampire robot. Uh, so I, think, I think that's what's drawing my eye right now.
1: Okay. Oh, that's very interesting because that's the one I was looking at. Too. Oh
2: well, then I will gladly step aside because I I'm uh, also very interested in pops. So uh, oh,
0: then we can play the three can, that I wanted to play. We
2: can three, <laughs>
1: three. Gnarly right, ones. I guess I should say that I
0: wanted. There were like four that I wanted to choose because I looked at the infernal too, but I also looked
1: at. Uh uh-huh. So. We we can be the uh, the team Amelia. Yeah, team Amelia here.
0: It's all about me today.
1: (laughs) Everything's coming up Amelia. You you know,
0: I I said that like all the
2: stuff in the dusk is spooky and scary, but I think that the dusk would be pretty spooked and scared if they saw like a necromancer robot, a vampire robot, and a plague doctor robot come out. They'd be like, oh, actually, they're pretty spooky too. We're good. We're
0: good. We'll stay over
3: here.
2: Yeah, (laughs) amazing. So yes, first first step is making that difficult decision of which spark draws your eye, and so um, it sounds like we've, we we we've accomplished that. So I truly believe that that is the the hardest part of character creation. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, the next thing to do is to start programming your spark. So those stats that I mentioned earlier, the attributes and your health and fuel, we determine those things. So you you don't come preloaded with an attribute range, but instead. Um, all three of our attributes, sun, moon, and shade, all start at one. And I should clarify what these numbers mean. Um, anytime you do something that is described by those attributes, you roll a dice pool of d6s equal to that number, and you keep the highest one. So the the more, the more higher the number in the attribute, the more dice you roll, meaning the more likely you get to keep a high number and, and get some good success on what you're accomplishing. Um, so we start with one in all of those things. Uh, and then we have four points to allocate across those attributes, how we see fit during uh, this process. The one mm-hmm. uh, rule is that you can't have an attribute that is um, more than four points. So you can't dump all four points into sun or something like that. You have to okay. at least dip a little bit into another attribute.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, so what does each one do, or is it dependent on what abilities you're using? It definitely depends on the, um, the,
2: the spark that you chose. So some sparks are very dependent on their attributes where a lot of their powers are linked to attributes. So, um, when I, when it comes time to, to doing this step, I, I oftentimes encourage people to look at your powers and just first things first, do you see the words sun, moon, and shade popping up in powers or mods, um, where like they deal, it deals that amount of harm or hits that many people because that immediately lets you know, okay. That's a cool sounding power. And it also tells me I need a lot of moon. So I should put, I should definitely at least put one more point into moon. Um, Hmm. Other sparks, that doesn't, that's not really the case. And they're just all flat numbers. And so you can think more so about these attributes being how you accomplish everything outside of combat. So, like, let's say, for example, you're trying to hack into a system. Um, Mm -hmm. You would use Sun to brute force your way into it. You would use, like, Shade to do, like, a very slow, methodical process of, like, trying to crack the password, but, you know, that you might run out of time. And then Moon is, like, the Mm -hmm. fast hack sort of thing where you use, like, your intuition to try and guess the password based off of, like, context clues. So these attributes dictate your actions largely outside of combat. So you can, if your powers aren't linked up to them, you can think, Okay, am I acting like really powerfully, or am I acting really like quickly, or am I more of a slow, methodical sort of character when mm. I'm doing stuff outside of time? right uh so yeah I, my 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 recommendation is to just take a look at your powers, first things first, see if those attributes are called out, and if they are, maybe consider throwing some points into it. You don't have to okay. um, and then uh and then, you know beyond that, just thinking, do I want to be strong? Do I want to be fast? Do I want to be
3: practiced?
1: Yeah. All right. So yeah, I'm looking at my uh, Sanguine's powers, mm. um, and there is a lot that uh, for the Sanguine, especially, is is dealing with you know pulling life force and uh, moving health and and harm around and all that sort of stuff.
0: You just have the word blood a lot. Yeah,
1: you're a weird blood vendor, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I see. Okay, so here's the transfer health equal to your sun, mm-hmm. deal harm equal to your shade, deal harm equal to your moon. Uh, depending on the power that i've got in there oh that's interesting so you know you have access to all four of those powers at all times
2: in combat and so you look at them and you think like which one am i going to be using more or which one really calls to me a lot and, mm. and you know if so i'm going to put you know if it's the one that's linked to shade like maybe i'll put one or two points into shade so that since i know i'm going to be relying on that button a lot pushing that power i'm going to be real effective with it
1: yeah what is the blood effect like it says blood effect on here
2: yeah so for sanguine um, sanguine's passive is uh that if you spend one of your health uh when using a power uh, you get to activate the blood effect, so it is the amplified version of that power. So, like transfusion, only usually allows you to move one health between things. But if you act, you spend a little bit of your own blood, uh, you can move uh, some amount of health. And if you've got four points in sun, you're moving four health around. So you're very good at healing, or 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 just putting blood oh. in one person and taking it from another.
1: This is delicious. I love this. Oh, good. <laughs> um,
0: delicious I'm talking
1: about all this blood
0: Uh, (laughs) I know
1: it makes me want to have four in all of them yep
2: (laughs) (laughs) and you know each each spark you'll you know will eventually get to this part where you're choosing mods you'll have opportunities to add to your your attributes so for example sanguine can eventually get plus one to sun moon and shade so you know that you'll be able to boost boost them a little bit but yeah a big part of it is just thinking
1: what's what's the thing that really calls to me right now in this moment that's amazing like this siphon ability deals one harm to an enemy and you gain one health but if you spend a health it affects all close enemies Mm -hmm. you just jump into a pile and exactly just have fun
2: yeah and then the the <laughs> turn before that you you jump into that uh, pile of enemies by turning into a swarm of bats that <laughs> flies into a group of enemies and then you steal all their health <laughs> uh-huh oh it's so good um sanguine's uh supernova they turn into a, a steel coffin, and then they uh, they resurrect by appearing nearby somebody and then immediately activating that siphon power that you mentioned. So you come back and just start stealing health right away. You're like, give me my blood back.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: I think I, because nine don't really key off of anything in particular, so I just figured I would start by... Deciding on like how I personally feel like I want to do things, yeah. so I just I I have my sun is two, my moon is two, and my shade is three. Cool, including those like initial three.
2: Yeah, and a quick a quick cheat to see if you've if you've got it is if the sum of your attributes equals seven, you've done it. Uh, and this has been a, <laughs> it's been a helpful uh, trick that I use.
0: I had to think about it too. I was like, okay, if it was one and then a one and then one and two is four. Right. <laughs> like it shouldn't have been mm-hmm. that hard. It does. You're right. Only go up to seven and. Nope. Still
2: sometimes, sometimes sometimes, we just need that <laughs> quick trick. My my pox, I imagine them as not particularly uh, a very strong individual. So they just have the one in sun. And I just put, I split my other points between moon and shade. So they're kind of a, they can be quick on their feet if they need to be, but also um, very practical and slow, which uh, like... A slow, methodical, but also fact asking, fast acting thing feels very on brand for uh, a virus themed uh, I like class. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's what I'm going to go with.
1: Yeah, I went, I went uh, three sun, two moon, two shade because uh, that that three sun really helps uh, my my transfusion mm. ability. So I I can kind of see myself a little bit as a macabre healer <laughs> of mm-hmm. the group yeah exactly i love sounds amazing call to watch action yeah like that oh this game is just so good almost everyone that hears about this game seems to get inspired to actually create a power fantasy game of their own for a different genre myself included Uh, one guess what genre i went with but before we let you go for the week just a couple calls to action and patreon shout outs first up if you haven't checked out our patreon lately we've got some really cool things on there our latest offering is a video recording of our broken actual play that amelia and i were able to do in person broken is of course the uh two-player tragic romance rpg by ben wallace that we covered in a spotlight episode not too long ago it was really a fantastic time and we had a lot of fun with it and it really proved out how well my new studio was with recording for a couple of people So, really, I I think Amelia and I are going to try this again uh, as soon as we are able to because uh, there's a lot of good games that we could probably play together. Coming up soon, we have a few more pieces of bonus content, uh, which I'm really excited about, Um, all available at the side quest level and higher uh, that I think you'll all really enjoy. You can find out what is all offered by going to patreon.com slash character creation cast and speaking of patreon perks one of those perks is us personally thanking you every episode until this list gets big enough and we have to split it up between episodes so without further ado flying solo here thanking everybody thank you to our first patron lieutenant for your continued support Eric Bonds, thank you as well for your support. David, aka Tigranosaurus, thank you. Matt Newton, thank you as well. Daryl Holiday II, thank you for your support and all the great comments on our Patreon posts. We really appreciate those. Shadeem Cabal, thank you caleb aka the shyest barbarian thank you so very much for your support benjamin sweeney thank you as well Lorcan mcginnis thank you so much rob fletcher thank you and kevin brown thank you so very much and thank you to all of our future patrons we wouldn't be able to make this show as easily without your assistance and we really truly appreciate your generosity that's all we have for today tune in next week where we finish our phenomenal character creation for this game with spencer it was so very good until then take care of yourselves stay safe drink some water treat yourself to something nice don't forget to breathe and keep making those amazing people we'll see you
3: next time
1: our main theme music is Hero, remixed by Steve Combs, and is used with a Creative Commons license. This podcast is owned by us under Creative Commons. This episode was edited by Ryan Bolter. Further information for the game systems used and today's guests can also be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support our show, find us on Patreon. Get access to bonus episodes, extra outtakes, and much more at patreon.com slash Character Creation Cast. Thanks for joining us, and remember, we find the best part of any role playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We'll see you next time.
0: I gotta read some show blurbs
3: show blurbs show blurbs show blurbs Show blurbs.
1: character creation cast is hosted by the one Shot podcast network if you enjoyed our show visit one where you will find other great shows like system mastery
0: system mastery is a delightful stroll through the history of role-playing games except the games are terrible and the hosts are real jerks about everything Join hosts Jeff and John as they explore the weirdest games ever made to talk about what worked, what went wrong, and which Silverhawk was the best. It was Hot Wing. Don't even add us. Find their show at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or OneShotPodcast.com.
1: Join us in the muck at System Mastery.